Star Wars 7x7 episode 2243. Today we are wrapping up our Winners and Losers series of looks at the Skywalker saga with the losers from The Rise of Skywalker. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Boyvon and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So again, we are finalizing our series of winners and losers. This goes back to, it was actually something like, you know, in the 20s basically. Like that's how far back the original series of winners and losers for the Star Wars movies goes. And now that we have completed the Skywalker saga, I thought it might be fun to take a look in a similar fashion at the winners and losers of the final movies in the Skywalker saga. We've already done The Force Awakens. We've done The Last Jedi yesterday. We did the winners from The Rise of Skywalker. And today it's the losers, the people whose fortunes turned out the worst out of anybody in The Rise of Skywalker. And we'll start in seventh place with Snap Wexley, played by Greg Brunberg, a favorite of J.J. Abrams. Great guy, great fun. You know, I guess somebody had to die to make it you seem like there were actually, you know, stakes involved in the story. Snap Wexley managed to survive the events of The Force Awakens, was off on other missions during The Last Jedi. Apparently wasn't, you know, demoted too far because of the debacle in making the First Order aware of the location of the Resistance base in The Force Awakens, but he almost made it, he almost managed to survive this whole war and unfortunately had to die just before the cavalry arrived. And that certainly is unfortunate. But I feel like it's not quite as unfortunate as the person I have at number six on the list. And I feel like it's almost sacrilegious to actually put this person on the losers list for the rise of Skywalker. But I'm going to do it. And I, I feel like I have a reasonable reason to do it. And that would be General Leia Organa. And the reason why I feel this way is because I feel like she did not get any of the reconciliations that we had all hoped for. And yes, you know, probably stepping out of the story itself, that probably has a lot to do with the fact that Carrie Fisher unfortunately passed away and so they could not do as much with her character in The Rise of Skywalker. But speaking only of the events of the movie itself, she died before the Resistance was triumphant, so she did not get to see the final victory and know that all of her efforts were actually worth it. She was able to reach out and touch Ben's mind one more time, but she doesn't know for sure whether he was able to you know, get away from the dark side of the Force and actually come back to the light. There's so many things that you know, were left unresolved for her. And I'm sorry, I very much wish that Leia had the opportunity to see victory and to see her son come back to the light and to be able to, you know, know that all of her efforts were not in vain. Hopefully that's something in, you know, as she's a part of the cosmic force and manifests as the living force and is able to reconnect with her son, hopefully she will get some of that peace and reconciliation. But unfortunately, it did not really come in the events of the Rise of Skywalker. In fifth place, I have General Hux, who had already moved from the winner's list in The Force Awakens to the loser's list in The Last Jedi, but now he just, you know, is completely cemented in there because not only had he 
he been demoted in terms of influence with the First Order, but then even as he was trying to be a spy and feed information, he was only doing it not to see the Resistance win, but just to try to best Kylo Ren, right? And that didn't work out very well for him at all, and General Pride summarily shot him for the trouble. So yeah, it was a really bad showing for Hux. At least he was able to prepare the Resistance for the possibility of war on Exegol, so, you know, at least he succeeded in that much. But as for the rest, yeah, unfortunately, very ineffectual. In fourth place, I have the Imperial Remnant that spent the better part of three decades trying to reestablish itself in the unknown regions to get ready for war, and ultimately they are defeated, and they are in fact just a speck compared to the Sith Eternal and the Final Order fleet that Palpatine has prepared. So even though, you know, they seemed like, okay, let's get this remnant off into the unknown regions and let's rebuild and create a pure, you know, more, you know, hard to deal with force against the light. Yeah, ultimately it wasn't even able to live up to what the Sith Eternal had in store over the course of those 30 years. And, you know, you don't get the uh, impression that the First Order fleet is doing very well by the end of The Rise of Skywalker because it is the Sith Eternal fleet that they go after in the final battle, but as a result of all of the Resistance's efforts, the rest of the galaxy is rising up against the First Order and you see a montage of ships being attacked, and so they're basically reduced to an afterthought. So yes, I'm sort of equating the Imperial Remnant with the First Order because that's eventually what they built up to. Anyway, yeah, and then they are just gonna be <laughs> another remnant that has to be dealt with maybe in novels and comic books down the line. In third place I have Allegiant General Pride and a brief aside about Richard E. Grant who just went into that role and chewed up the scenery. He had so much good evil fun with that and is such a wonderful person outside of you know the set like he's just a decent like fun loving person who is just so thrilled about being able to be a part of it which is really awesome like that's what you want as a fan is somebody who is super excited about getting to do what he has the opportunity to do and about really just being all in on it. He did a fantastic job and as a character to be this deeply invested with the Imperial Remnant but to also be secretly working for Palpatine on the inside and to see all of those plans and all of that time and commitment just wiped away and to be ignominiously blown out of the windows of his own bridge. He was so sure of his convictions and just people showed up and utterly routed him and the rest of the fleet. So he arrives in third on the list. Second place, I have Palpatine. Now that might come as a bit of a surprise because he of course is the big bad in all of the movies and to have his plans defeated once and for all, well, first of all, fingers crossed that it's actually once and for all, but I think since we're ending the Skywalker saga, we have to end Palpatine as a part of this. So man, oh man, if they decide to try and make a comeback, I just, I don't see it happening, at least not in future timeline, right? Like maybe they you know, do something with the character in you know other stories that take place prior to the events of the sequel trilogy. Although, when you think about it, Palpatine's had a pretty good run. I mean, he was the Sith Lord to beat for, oh gosh, what? 
uh, 36 years at least, right? From The Phantom Menace, which was in 32 BBY before the Battle of Yavin, to the end of Return of the Jedi, which is for ABY, so 36 years. And he was probably already, you know, the Sith Lord in charge prior to the events of The Phantom Menace because Plagueis was already gone by that point. So for, you know, some years before that. And was apparently able to survive in some fashion after Return of the Jedi, though we just don't know much about the intervening years and whether he was in charge of anything. But, you know, to be able to survive and then to start manipulating events behind the scenes so that way the First Order would be able to rise to power under the direction of Supreme Leader Snoke. So that had to be going on for probably, you know, close to a decade maybe. I mean, we're just spitballing here. That is a lot of time in power and for him to be that close that close to getting it back again and then losing it all to be utterly and completely destroyed. Oh man, like that is just, that's the worst to be that close and to just lose it all. So yeah, good for, you know, all of the good guys in the galaxy and all the normal folks and obviously bad for him, but yeah, uh, what a what a terrible loss for Palpatine. And so that brings us to the number one spot. And before we get to that, I do want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Audible and just remind you once again that we have the opportunity to offer you a free audiobook download and free 30-day trial of Audible services when you go to sw7x7.com slash audible. We have books coming out like Clone Wars Light and Dark comes out tomorrow and next week the first novel in the new Thrawn trilogy comes out. So those or other Star Wars novels, the current canon or legends or any of thousands of other audiobooks, get a free one and a free 30-day trial at sw7x7.com audible. And so the number one spot on the losers of The Rise of Skywalker goes to the Sith Eternal, which by the end of the movie is not so eternal <laughs> as it turns out. And the whole thing about bringing balance to the Force, ultimately, I guess... If you are looking at the Force from the notion of Jedi versus Sith, well, then we arrive at balance in the Force because Rey is not a Jedi and there is no Sith Lord kicking around, at least as far as we know. And so, you know, if there's no Jedi and no Sith, then there's balance. Although Luke did say near the end of The Last Jedi that he would not be the last Jedi and Snoke had his thing about, you know, darkness and light rising to meet it, right? So similar ways of saying the same thing. But we don't know what the future will hold. Maybe Rey will bring the Jedi back. I mean, she's certainly studying the sacred Jedi text, so it seems like a very natural way for her to go. I feel like I'm getting a little bit off topic though because the loser in this whole thing is the Sith Eternal because yeah, so much for being eternal, right? I mean, that final conflict between Rey and Ben and Palpatine and ultimately Rey and Palpatine, well, that wipes out the entirety of the Sith Eternal on Exegol and the Sith fleet is destroyed. And so, yeah, no more Sith not so eternal and hopefully we will not see them again in the galaxy, but certainly some sort of dark side influence is bound to pop up again in the future. And that's going to do it for our look at the losers from the Rise of Skywalker, the characters and groups whose fortunes fared the worst out of anyone in the events of the Rise of Skywalker. And that's going to do it for this episode of the show as well. Thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. 
Star Wars 7 by 7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7 by 7 We hope you love it.